Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now on Thursday's Off the Ball Breakfast, there was a fascinating discussion about an online hate initiative looking to tackle and understand the abuse that sports stars face. Here is a snippet of Aidan Eames and Theo Lynn of DCU speaking to Jer Gilroy and Owen Sheen about what they're doing. We're working with the FIA, which is the Sports Federation over Motorsports, um, but it's a it's to deal with any sport, so it's not just soccer. Obviously, our team with Gary Sinclair and Colm Kearns um, started off looking at soccer, um, and um, I suppose we're seeing online abuse everywhere. You know, like I, I can give you like highlight examples. If you take the Tokyo Olympics, <laughs> once the Japanese team went one medal ahead of the Chinese team, suddenly we saw this massive flow of online abuse towards Japanese um, athletes. You know, soccer, obviously, very well known. Basketball, quite a lot of abuse. So all these things are tripping over, even in the context. Um, obviously, in TCU, we have, we have a fine GAA academy going on. Um, but even some of our alumni and students who are playing for county teams, you know, in 2021, when Mayo lost, Aidan Foley and a lot of those guys got a lot of abuse, you know. Um, and in fairness to GAA, when you're looking at that, they'll tell you that like some players wouldn't turn up for work just because the amount of abuse they were getting. And so there's a across the board, we're seeing tennis players like Marina are just dropping out of the sport, um, and they're just one part of online abuse. Like so, when we talk about online abuse, rightly there's a big focus on hate speech, but people forget that online abuse for the people involved in sports is digital hostility. So people are getting very heated into heated arguments and they, they they verge on the level of abuse. There is offensive language. There's a whole range of incivility that's happening. And the difficulty is it uh, has an adverse effect both on people's psychological and emotional well-being. Uh, in some instances, there's physical harm resulting from this. And it, it's just growing. And so one of the things that we're seeing in the data right now is that over 15 or 16 years of, for instance, uh, the Euros, we're seeing the same amount of abuse or of, uh, online abuse, but obviously the social media audiences are growing dramatically. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of different types of abuse, uh, different people targeted, particularly after World Cup in uh, Qatar, you know, there's a rise of Islamophobia in, in, in that kind of discourse. And so... Um, even in the Women's World Cup recently, you know, the, the amount of homophobic abuse was, was, was a massive peak. Yeah, that was Aidan Eames and Theo Lynn speaking to Jer and Owen on Off The Ball Breakfast on Thursday. If you want to hear that interview back in full, you can do so by becoming an Off The Ball member. You can just go to offtheball.com forward slash join. But I thought it was a really interesting initiative because... As we've spoken about in this show, there is so much hate online. And although we are seeing progress in terms of legislation, uh, whether that is the Digital Services Act or appointments to roles such as Neve Hodnett's uh, position as Online Safety Commissioner, there's still so much more that could be done. Uh, so I just thought that was a very thought provoking chat. But we are going to move things on a little bit from the grim to the exciting in my world. Uh, I wrote about this in the Business Post recently, but I have been wearing an Apple Watch SE and over the last 12 months or so, I have realised that it is a great tool to motivate me to move and by doing a little bit extra movement every single day, my health has dramatically improved. 
So I'll give you some embarrassing stats. But in January of last year, I was averaging around 4,000 steps a day. In January of this year, I've been averaging or I did average 14,000 steps a day. I'm not going running marathons. I'm not doing yoga 17 times a day. I'm literally getting out and moving for an hour a day. Doing small things like taking the stairs instead of the lift. Those little bits and pieces. But for me, the Apple Watch has been the key to unlocking it all. But what are the key metrics that we should watch when it comes to our health and well-being and these wearables? How do you ensure that you don't get bamboozled by the data? Well, Carl Henry of Operation Transformation and, of course, the uh, personal trainer is with me now. Uh, Carl, how are you? I'm excellent. All the way from West Cork. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, it's great to have you on uh, from your West Cork base and your absolute notion studio that you have. And we could talk for days about your online PT and all that stuff. But what I wanted to talk to you about is a conversation that we've had a few times on Instagram DM. Because people who follow you will know that you are great for your Q&As, you're great for the motivation, for the myth busting around fitness. And I don't want to say weight loss because it's fitness and well-being. Um, And as I said a second ago, over the last year or so, I've become deeply motivated by the stats from my wearable and on the health app on my phone. And I've noticed a dramatic improvement, not only in terms of, you know, weight and water intake and all that kind of stuff, but just how I feel in myself. But there's an awful lot of data that can be difficult to decipher. So to start at the very beginning, do you rate wearables as a good fitness tracking tool or do you think that people can get get too obsessed with them? Yeah, so a great question to open with. I think it depends on the person, right? So like wearable tech is brilliant. Like it's so good and we use it all the time with lots and lots of our clients. Um, It gives you the data, it gives you the motivation, it gives you the kick up the arse if you haven't closed your ring or whatever. And like it's great, but for certain people, they do become obsessed with it, which can be a problem. And then, you know, and that's fine until there's a glitch in it or, or, you know, it's just randomly reads wrong for a certain week and that can really throw people. But like we use it with all our clients and and with obviously the TV show, we use it and we continue to do so because it it's a great way to get people to realize how sedentary they are initially and then what they need to do in terms of general daily movement. If they're exercising hard enough to get the benefits from it, then that brings you to kind of, you know, your sleep, the sleep, the sleep one is probably less accurate, probably by comparison to the rest of it. But then you get that gets you to smart scales, which just deliver content, which will be fairly accurate. Won't be, you know, it won't. It's not a DEXA scan. It's not meant to be a DEXA scan, but it's it's fairly accurate, and that can really give you the nudge to make those changes, to benchmark off those changes, and inevitably, it all comes to the fact that it'll all help you feel well and feel healthy and that's the most important thing of all yeah so between the apple watch se which i mentioned a second ago is what i wear and then i also also have your smart scale my mum bought it for me when uh, your range from duns came out so i have that and i'm not someone who wanted to get obsessed in any way shape or form and it wasn't for me about weight it was just about how i felt because i wasn't sleeping and when I was looking at the difference from when I started moving last January for the first six weeks, I could see by walking for an hour a day, my resting heart rate was coming down. My number of flights of stairs that I was climbing was increasing. 
teeny tiny little changes and I wasn't necessarily breaking a sweat. I was just getting off my arse and moving. And that is something that from the bits that I know about you and the work that you do, you're all about that approach of little and often rather than setting out to run a marathon and giving up three days into training. Yeah, the go hard or go home aspect or approach is not really my own, I have to say. I think I, 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 I think that for certain people it works, but for a lot of people, no. And people have that idea of PTs, that that's what we are. We scream and shout all day long and we kind of, you know, push it and you can't walk. Lots of PTs do. Generally, the experienced ones don't. We're around, we're out, we're around a bit longer than that. But yeah, like okay, so like health and wellness has to be that, right? It has to fit into your life. It has to be achievable. It has to make you feel good and not to be too puffed or too too exhausted. It has to be manageable, and like that, it's every little bit helps. That's the that's the important thing to remember that every little bit of movement. So. Every flight of stairs you take in the office, for example, helps. Don't look, you're on the fifth floor, I think, in Marconi House or the fourth floor. You have a lot of stairs. But like every bit of stairs when you're in the supermarket or the shopping center helps. Every time you park further away from the door, that helps. Every bit of protein you get into your your, your meals, well, that helps. So it has to be small and achievable. It doesn't have to be, you know, running marathons or Ironmans or half marathons. It's the... On a life level, we are more sedentary and we have to move. And tech gives us the, the, the reminder or the awareness of what we're currently doing and what we need to do. And it helps us to get to get there. And that's the, the beauty of it, really, you know. Yeah, do you know, it, it's all so the thing with the Apple Watch. And I, and I wrote about this recently. It's kind of the gamification of it. And so, for example, when I leave the office today, I, rather than getting on the Lewis at Stevens Green, I'm going to walk three Lewis stops down the track just to try and get my steps in because I've had pretty much an office-based day today. And I, I think those small things really, for me anyway, have really, really helped. But one point that I want to pick up on, and I've seen you mention this a few times in your Q&A, is like, yes, the goal of 10,000 steps is a nice one to have, but you do kind of need to get your heart going, don't you? Yeah, you do. So it's one of the biggest reels we've done on on Instagram. It's got about two and a half million hits, I think, at the minute. And it's all about the 10,000 steps myth, which is that, okay, it came it came from a marketing campaign in the 60s in, 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 in Japan or Korea, one of them. And that's where it came from. Uh, it doesn't mean you're, it's, you know, the golden kind of thing to attain in a day. The more steps, the merrier is the important thing that that that's what you should really be aiming for that if it's six thousand twenty thousand five whatever but whatever you can do and then the more you do uh the healthier health the healthier that you are the key thing is though there is a difference between movement and exercise so movement is low intensity so if you and i just we're going to go for a walk this is movement the level of intensity that you and i are chatting through now we're moving and talking it's movement uh, I'm going to use a very scientific term for exercise, and that is huffing and puffing. <laughs> you should be moving fast enough to be huffing and puffing, no matter what exercise you are doing, whether it's swimming, cycling, surfing, walking, running, weights, you should be huffing and puffing. If you're not huffing and puffing, it's not exercise. It really isn't. It, it's it's many things, but it's not exercise to get your heart rate up, to get the benefits of movement it needs to be huffing and puffing. And when you're huffing and puffing, you can still have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You're not fully out of breath, but it's about zone three in terms of heart rate from the science perspective. That's kind of where it is. You're, you're working hard enough to get the benefit from it in terms of muscle, in terms of, in terms of the fuel you're burning, in terms of the endorphin release from it, in terms of the strength. That's what your listeners need to be attaining, attaining 
for it to become exercise. And you're, if you go huff and puff, your Apple Watch will, will beep and it'll tell you you're in the exercise zone or whatever. It's a bit more science-y, but so on a very basic level, huffing and puffing is where it's at. Yeah, I like that. And again, this is all digestible information because there's so much data there. I'm just scanning through my Apple Health thing as you're talking. So like the improvements that I've seen, and you can tell me if these are good or if they're just nonsense for the sake of nonsense. But for example... My VO2 max has gone from below average to now above average over the last 12 months. My average exercise time was, this is really embarrassing, 12 minutes uh, last year. It's now 40 minutes. My, like, uh, like little things like that, I find, like my cardio recovery has improved. Are they the stats that you should be looking at when it comes to meaningful ex- exercise rather than some of the other stats that are there? Yeah, so like, okay, so the thing with stats is basically any stat that's improving in the right direction is the stat that you should be looking at. And that's not a politician's answer. But, but for some people, like VO2 max is important or recovery is important. And the rate at which you recover is a sign of fitness. Absolutely it is. Um, or waistline is important or weight is important to, to, to a lesser degree. Uh, so like the key thing is that you find stuff that really means something to you, right? So you're, that recovery heart rate, that resting heart rate, the heart's a muscle. As you get fitter, it gets stronger and it recovers quicker and it has a lower resting heart rate because it, it's a stronger muscle, so it pumps better. Um, the beauty of tech is that there's such a parameter of measurements. Like we do that, I do that with my clients here. We would look at, at somebody in before the chat with you, we looked at 15 different parts of her health. She's mm. improved on like 12 of them. Uh, it's amazing. So like the, the key thing is that you find areas to look at so that you can find improvements. And it's the improvement that keeps you motivated. Mm. It doesn't matter what you're improving in really, but it, it, that. But once you see change, that keeps you focused. And that's where tech comes in. It, it, it's a change that provides the motivation to keep going as well as the accountability of have I closed the ring on my watch? Have I got my 10,000? Have I got my fight? Whatever the number is, but so the more you measure, the more things you can see. And like the, the TV show, we're the same. We measure, we have an A4 page for every single person every single week. And mm. we look at all the different parameters of their health. And we can say, you've done really well this week because your resting heart rate is down by X, your visceral fat's down by Y, your um, metabolic age profile, you're five years younger, well done. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, the, it's the change and the praise that goes with it, whether it's a self-pat on the back where you do it yourself or whether it's a partner or a PT saying, you know, you've done really well. And that feels good. And that, that association of change and feeling good keeps you moving. It keeps you going. And that's a difference by, 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 by measuring all that stuff and using the tech that we have, as opposed to just going out for the walk on your own without any tech. Mm. The more you measure, the more you can see change and the more likely you are to stay on track, which is the, the, the beauty of it. Mm. Uh, before I let you go, I need to ask, a lot of people will have these aspirations to get fitter and healthier. And I know you always sort of proclaim the what's your why? Like, why do you want to get fit and healthy? Is there something that you're willing to work towards or work for? Um, but for those who haven't found the right form of exercise yet, because I really enjoy running now and I'm not a fast runner. My average pace per kilometre is horrific. It's so embarrassing, I won't even say it to you. But the thing is... <laughs> I'm proud of it because, again, when I get my little notification that I've run a little bit, I feel great. But how do people find the right for, like, what is the right exercise? Is it what you enjoy or is it what people see online? Yeah, like online, there's all, you know, and I see it on Instagram all the time. And I, I purposely 
don't use my Instagram to bash other people. It's not my style. I just I couldn't be bothered. Life is too short. Uh, people do try to do it to me every now and again. And it's always the ones who are trying to sell their method or their plan or their really hardcore whatever who come and knock on the door and say, oh, you can't tell people that whatever. No, actually, I can because I'm not selling anything here. I, I'm not, you know, anyway, there we go. So the question was, what's the best exercise? The best exercise is the one that suits you and the one that you have a grow for or a love for. For some people, it's running, walking. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. But once it's it's once it's enjoyable and once you're working hard enough, irrelevant of the pace or the speed or the distance, once you on a personal level are challenged by that movement enough to get slightly out of breath or huff and puff or zone three heart rate, that's it. That's the that's the best exercise. There is no one like you know they all deliver something different, right? So like weight bearing exercise is brilliant. Weights is amazing. Running or walking is are really good. Swimming is great. Cycling, it doesn't matter. But the key thing is, if you love it, you're more likely to do it. And that's the important bit. It's the doing it consistently over a long period of time that really delivers the end goal. And the end goal for anyone starting out should be aging. Like, you know, you're a lot younger than I am, so you haven't hit the aging thing just yet, but you will at some stage. And when you hit a certain point in life, you begin to think, okay, well, you know, I'm halfway through now or whatever. I want to age better. I want to be stronger. I want to be fitter. I want to be able to, you know, walk unaided when I'm 80. Great goal. But you can only do that by being strong. And, and that's where exercise has a function. It's it's enjoyable and it's stress busting, but actually it's going to keep you at a hospital. It's going to keep you from getting frail. It's going to keep you living the way you want to live longer. And with tech supports that, it helps you to do all of those things. And like that metabolic age predictor that we use on Tanita scales and even on my own, that shocks people into getting moving because they might be 50 and they jump on the scales and they might be 65. Now it's a rough guide, but what it tells us is you don't have enough muscle, you have too much body fat, and we need to sort that out. And that kind of gets people uh, tuned in, you know? So find what you love, do it hard enough that it becomes exercise and you're on the right track for healthy aging and healthy living and use tech to absolutely support that. There's your inspo for the week ahead. Carl Henry, as always, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Great to talk to you, Jess. See you soon.